You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 309 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? You're just back from a trip. How was it? It was good. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, I just had a little mini break. Um, yeah. It didn't go too far, but I had a mini break in a nice spot. and In the just... country? You had kangaroos yes. nearby? Yes had kangaroos yeah yeah they were adorable because they had their joeys in their pouches and sometimes their joeys would come out and have a wander around and then they hop back in they literally just jump back into the pouch um it's really cute and then when the mother is leaning over and eating grass the joey pokes its head out of the pouch and eats the grass too so that's so cute they're probably the cutest things ever (laughs) oh they're really adorable but uh new listeners we will get on to this week's topic it is all about photography we are going to talk about how to shape and control light but um yes anyway that's what I was doing so um it's just sort of taking some photos of flowers and Mm. um foliage and stuff like that and yeah just having a bit of a having a bit of a break just a change in scenery which is like something that I can't do because I'm in uh, week three here of uh, stage four lockdowns in Melbourne and uh, you know so I think the thing that's really hard and what I've been trying to do is like because we uh, it's uh, mandatory to wear masks when you're out and about everywhere so when you're in a supermarket or you're out walking and you see someone you know you want to let them know that you're smiling so you have to Mm. smile extra hard so it reaches the eye and then Mm. I I've developed a new way of uh, acknowledging people because it's it's like, you know, you can't always do it with your eyes. So now I've developed and I've thought about this. This is the Sicilian nod, you know. So uh, I guess the Australian nod is your head goes from up to down, like in one motion. Mm -hmm. The Sicilian nod is the opposite of that. So it goes from down to up. Oh, yes, When you I see know. someone. I... Do you know that nod? Yep, I do, I do. That's what I've been doing. It's like you just jut your you, 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 you jaw up, and that's how yes. I say hello to people. With a big, the biggest smile on my face under my mask so that they can see that, you know, it's a real smile. And then, you know, the other thing I'm yes. doing is like, because I'm jealous of you getting out i've started um i've started digging a tunnel you know and it's inspired by you know those world war ii escape movies that you see so it's like just to be authentic i'm going to do it with a spoon and uh i reckon i should be done like i'm trying to get a tunnel to italy i should be done by about 2070 i reckon but my spoon keeps breaking val so, oh my god okay also, well good luck with that thank you <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, what else have you been doing apart from digging tunnels with a spoon? Oh, just uh, working hard, working on my photography. I've got time to check my archives, you know, working on tutorials, all of the general sort of stuff, Val. Fantastic. And I know that many people in our listener community are doing um, a similar thing to different degrees depending on your level of lockdown or not yeah. level, or maybe you don't have any lockdown. Um and of course, if a great way to connect is if you want to join our listener community on Facebook, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. It's free. We'd love to have you in there. And it's great to see so many different posts from different people all around the world experiencing their version of whatever's happening in the world. So Owen recently posted um, <laughs> a, a, a shot now, for, if you are new to this podcast, you may not know that one of Gina's obsessions is mm. Nutella. Mm-hmm. Yes, the one and only hazelnut spread mm. that you put on bread and 
you know, in cakes. No. And... You don't put it on anything. It's uncut. Okay. You just right. straight out of the jar, Val. No, you have eaten it with ice cream. I, I have. You yes, have. yes, yes. Um, so Gina's obsessed with Nutella and obviously – Regular listeners know that. So Owen posted a photo, uh, which we've put in the show notes, which, of course, you can check out at uh, at ginamilitia.com. And it's actually a photo uh, of um, a sliced loaf of bread on a wooden breadboard with some butter and a jar of Nutella. Now, you'd never actually put butter with Nutella. But, no. uh, but you know, maybe you can. That's okay. So there's a there's a jar of Nutella looking very enticing because I have to say just the look of that Nutella on their bread is making my mouth water. Mm. Um, so Owen has said, anyone want some brekkie? This is my latest creation involving my daughters, three out of four of them anyway, making breakfast. Notice the lovely new jar of Nutella, Gina, (laughs) because what he's done, which is really, really clever, is that he has pictures of his daughters in the shot, um, comped into the shot, sitting on the loaf of bread. So little mini versions of his daughters sitting on the loaf of bread or um, on the edge of the butter holding a giant knife while the other one helps. Another one of his daughters is pushing up one of the, you know, slightly falling over um, slices of bread. Another one has uh, opening the actual top the 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 actual top of the nutella bottle while climbing a ladder that's leaning against the the nutella so they're all miniature miniature versions of his daughters um and he has very very cleverly comped them uh into the shot so uh i love it it's just cute it's very clever you should you should um you should stick that on your fridge or something gina because to remind (laughs) you of what you worship (laughs) So, yeah, and uh, he's asked for some uh, feedback on this shot. Uh, So basically, uh, I think Owen has done an incredible job here. Uh, And so, you know, something like this, and uh, like I've I've said this before, Val, it's very easy these days for anyone, Jan in accounts, you know, your auntie, whoever, to just pick up their smartphone and take a shot that's going to look great. So that's, you know, everyone can take a great photo these days or film video. So your greatest gift as an artist is your creativity and what you can come up with, you know, from your imagination is something that nobody else can do. So, you know, Owen, coming up with this, this is like unique, uh, a unique idea to you. You've used your, your daughters in it. I think this is a fantastic way to uh, shoot family portraits or it's just taking it all to the next level. I think you've done an excellent job job in um, comping the girls and um, placing them and thinking this whole thing through and the creativity behind it is amazing. So can you hear my dog in the background? Having a good old scratch? So anyway, sorry guys, he's just like... um, and, And... uh, the, the placement and the resizing and also the camera angle, everything that you've done looks great. It looks believable um, to me. So the next level, Owen, is just the little one percenters. And honestly, uh, you've done such a great job just to finish this off and take it to uh, the next level doesn't take much. And so the analogy that I need is to, to use is like it's like... You know, Val, when you see, uh, a, you know, a, a house being built, if you're driving past the the building site every day or a, or a building, you actually see the, the, the house goes up really quickly. Like, you know, the, yeah. the, they build the frame. Like, you'll go to work and you come home and you go, oh, my God, the entire frame's up. Yes. And then, you know, then the bricks and the roof goes on and it looks really quick and then it looks like, then next year before it's finished because all the work that goes on inside it the finishing is the most important like you think you know you see the plaster boards go up but then the plasterer actually spends ages getting the lines um, mm. clean in between it and the painting and the putting it's the finishing it's those one percenters so it's like the last 20 percent all the one percenters that make all the difference that actually is where you need to spend the time because that's what helps sell this, Owen, as a, um, a more believable composite. So what I've done is I've done a super quick and dirty rough five-minute edit on this showing you uh, the difference and a couple of things that I think would really add to this. So um, I think what's missing and what would really help sell this composite is to add some shadows under all the girls. 
uh, you know, just little ones. And I've added a couple just really roughly. And that just makes, it's a little one percenter, but I think it makes a huge difference. And the other thing, Owen, is um, when I'm looking at the actual product shot, so it's the bread is uh, on the board, is in focus. And then as we get to the the uh, jar of uh, olive spread and the Nutella, that's starting to fall out of focus, but the mm. girls in the frame are still super sharp. Mm. So that's a giveaway to me. So mm. what you need to do is either when you're shooting the, the base shot, your product shot, is make sure that you choose a narrower focal length so that you're going to get everything sharp all the way through so that it's not going to be an issue, or you match the focal blur when you're putting the girls in the frame. That'll really help. Uh, another thing is, uh, I think it just overall, it looks a, a bit bright. Uh, so I would darken the exposure overall. And then what I've done is I've added a, a color grade to the whole image. And that's what I do when I do my composites is when I've got all the all the individual items there all stacked in and I've done all the dodge, dodging and burning would also help as well. I've added all my shadows and everything. I do a final color grade over the top, over the entire image. And that just helps really sell, sell the shot and merge the whole thing together. And then just one more thing that I've just noticed and when you're lighting your girls, uh, they're all lit really super, super cleanly. So there's flat lighting. There's no sort of modeling. So maybe if you, uh, when you're lighting the girls, offset your lighting a, a bit. And we're going to get into this uh, today. So, you know, how to shape and control light. But just adding a bit more um uh, tonality to the models is going to help make them fit into that scene really well. And again, it's just one of those one percenters, but I think you've done a fantastic job. And as I said, like, you know, the building of your house, you've done, you know, 80% of all the hard work and it's just those little one percenters that are going to take this to the next level. But I'd love to see you, uh, continue with this theme. It's very handy to have, uh, you know, four daughters that you can work with, uh, Mm. and must be so much fun for them. So well done. Yeah, well done. I think it's a great job and such a clever idea as well. And, of course, uh, Gina often does constructive critiques and makes suggestions on photos, especially for people who are in the gold community. Uh, And it's great to see so many people who are members of the gold community from all around the world who can get access to the tutorials and access to Gina's expertise as well. If you want to find out a little bit more about the gold community, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. One of the things I love is mentoring the incredible photographers who are in my Gold Community. I recently asked Kerry Setch about how much the Gold Community has had an impact on her photography. It's just level upon level upon level. So when I first started, I really didn't understand even portraiture and lighting at yep. all. So to learn those basics, but then to push myself and for you to push me in that to um, to uh, go that next level has been really incredible. So, as well as the support and connections that have developed within the community. So, um, yeah, it's been really good in the access to resources. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to genomilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, let's get on to this week's topic, how to shape and control light. I mean, this is a really broad topic, Gina. Yep. So where are we going to start on this one? How are we going to tackle this? Well, let's um, talk about why we would need to shape and control light. So All it's right. difficult to do when you're just a street photographer. Like, you know, I mean, you can. I do street photos and I add light to them. But, you know, as if you're just generally just working with daylight, then they're um, – there are still ways that you can shape and manipulate light. And the reason you do this is because, you know, as I said earlier in the show, anyone can just point and shoot and take a photo and hope for the best. But if you really want to take photos that stand out from the pack, the one thing you want to master is light. And one of the most, um, uh, the question I get asked the most is like, how do I modify my lighting? And so like, what are the best light modifiers? So if you're working with daylight, uh, flash, 
or continuous light, everyone wants to know what's the best modifiers. And rather than me giving you a, a list of brand names, uh, mm. I, I'm not going to do that because it's like with uh, uh, previous episodes where we do these deep dives. What I want to give you is all the knowledge you need and understanding of what each modifier does. And then you know exactly what it's like. I like this particular kind of light or that particular light. You know what you're looking for. And then because basically uh, you can get uh, all sorts of uh, modifiers at different price points but it's going to depend on how often you're using them. So I recommend if you want to test out different modifiers and you're just starting out, get the cheap ones. Just get the knockoffs right. and get a feel yep. for it, right? That's what's okay. important. Don't spend 500 bucks because I recommend a particular modifier. If, on the other hand, you're a photographer and you're shooting studio or you're out on location and you're using these every day and you're knocking them around and you're setting them up and packing them down and you need to work quickly, then pay the money because what I've found is with the mm. cheaper modifiers, Val, you kind of, mm. um, they come in, they're flimsy. They're not built as well. Like, like, like they, they last, but then that things start to break and they're not as durable. And the other thing I've noticed about cheaper lighting modifiers is uh, they have all these extra bits and you kind of need to be um, a member of Mensa or have a science degree <laughs> to put them together, right? And it's just like, okay. and you lose bits and if you lose one little doha doohickey, right? You can't yes. put the whole thing together and you're out on location and suddenly you realise, oh, I forgot to do – and it takes you hours to put them together. You hand it to an assistant who looks at it and goes, oh, I, don't, I don't understand this either, you know. So that's where when you spend a little bit more money, uh, these light modifiers are really cleverly designed. Often there's a lot of photographers that have um, – uh, spent time developing these light modifiers and, you, and I, I particularly love the ones that mo uh, photographers develop like there's the Gary Fong one that I talk about a lot that I use there's knockoff brands of that one too uh, there's Magmod there's all different brands but when they're um, really cleverly made and you pay that extra uh, bit of money you get what you pay for so they're just easier to use but you know having said that you can also MacGyver all of these but what I want to explain today is what they do and how to um, you know what all the different modifiers are actually doing so that you can go out and uh, shop and have a, have a, an idea rather than just sort of guessing all right so all right. Um, the when you think about it uh, the the oldest uh, and uh, the cheapest light modifier you can get and the original one is the humble little cloud so oh okay sure yeah, yes. that's In actually a light modifier right now they're okay, a lot yes. harder to control because they don't kind of work on cue I've had one occasion <laughs> no. in my life where I willed a little cloud to come in front of the sun and uh, it worked and but that's once in my life. So it's not a really good rate. So when you think about it, so in daylight, the sun, high in the sky, when there's no clouds, we know about this. We talked about this last week where we were doing your photo shoot with the two kitties uh, on the beach at full sun. What happens is when the sun's overhead, you get uh, shadows. Like it's not particularly flattering. So you get like a lot of... Um, uh, you know, sh shading and raccoon eyes going on. But then on the same day, if a little cloud just comes over, a little soft cloud comes over and um, passes in front of the sun, what happens is the sun's still there, but the cloud is like now this uh, beautiful diffuser. And what happens is when the sun shines through a cloud, it diffuses the, uh, the rays of light and they're a lot softer. And suddenly all those little shadows have disappeared so this is something that you know if you want to know how light modifiers work just look to mother nature and you'll see so if we want to make hard light soft what do we do mm -hmm. we put something in front of it to diffuse it 
All right. So yes. so the more and the more clouds that come in. So if you've got you've got different kinds of cloud cover. So sometimes you get those um, wispier, softer clouds, and it's just like having one diffuser over the sun. But then uh, as the heavier cloud, and and that light can be uh, bright and has still have a little bit of contrast. You'll still maybe. And when I say contrast, if you ho- hold your hand up against the ground, uh, there'll be like a little bit of a shadow. All right, so it's it's still soft light, but you've got a bit of kick to it. It's got a bit of edge, and there's certain modifiers that will give you that look as well. And then when more clouds come in, you end up getting like no shadow at all, and that's when you've got too much modification of the light, too much diffusion going on. You get very flat, and it's often like a mud, muddy kind of uh, – the best description is it's kaka light. It's just – Kaka, right? So um, there are so regardless of the kind of light that you use, there is a uh, a light modifier that can shape or train your light to do exactly what it wants to do. So um, the best way for you guys to think about this is. And, and actually really understand how this works is just to get yourself like a simple torch, like, you know, one of those $2 ones that you pick up at the, you know, the, the bargain stores, just, you know, that take the AA batteries, you know, those little torches? Yeah. Grab yeah. yourself one of those. Everyone's got one of those. Mine was $5. Right, kicking around the house, right? So mm-hmm. if you've got one of those, um, what I would suggest you do is um, get that torch and um, if you've got a white wall in your house, um, you know, if you shine it against that white wall, uh, you notice what happens is that you can, um, some of that light bounces back into the wall, into the room, and you can illuminate right. the light. So we notice that there's like another light modifier that you see every day is like the, the a beautiful uh, lampshade. So you've got your, if you take the lampshade off the light, what's underneath, you've got like a light bulb there and the sh- lampshade yeah. goes over the light. What that is actually doing is modifying the light. So if you notice when you take the lampshade off and you've got the naked bulb, the light sort of is very hard like the sun and it causes these hard shadows, Right. Mm-hmm. But when you put mm-hmm. the lampshade on, cue sexy music, you've suddenly got this softer sort of light going on <laughs> and it's lovely and soft and it diffuses the light beautifully in the room. So you get a softer, far more flattering light because you've got this um, uh, a diffuser that goes over the light that spreads the light. So that's a good way to see. And so with this uh, torch in your hand, you'll notice like if you shine it against a white wall and maybe if you grab yourself a little action figure or a Barbie doll or I've got my um, John Cena doll because I like him and, um, you know, <laughs> You can okay. you, you can learn a lot in in five minutes about how light behaves. So if you place the torch, shine it into the wall, and place your little uh, doll or even um, uh, an egg or anything that you can see how the light affects it, you can see that the light bounces into the wall and then back into your figure. That is another very cheap light modifier: a white wall. So, so you can get bounce. And um, basically yeah. we can use uh, in photography, we use uh, white, silver, gold uh, reflectors to bounce light back in. So that's what like one of the cheapest forms of uh, light modifier is like a wall or a piece of card that takes, because light travels in a straight line, all light, light beam, lightsaber, Flash, all of it travels in a straight line. So, it, and we talked about this in the light episode, and maybe this would be a good episode to listen to if you haven't listened to that uh, before you listen to this one, because I really break down how actually light works. But you can see, so that's a very simple and cheap, and probably the first form of light modifier that you would use, which is like a large bit of card or your five in one. Um, diffuser and reflector that you you, you buy will, will teach you how to bounce light around. Now, with that same torch, what I want you to do is also um, 
cover the torch with like a little bit of uh, tracing paper or baking paper, you know, that it's like translucent paper. And now shine the light through through that bit of uh, paper and see what happens. And you'll notice that it's just like with the the cloud description that I gave, when the cloud passes in front of the sun, it diffuses the light and gives you soft light. So if you've got a a light beam from a torch, and you know when you hold the torch up, did you used to do the thing where you make like a a bunny rabbit? So you've got the torch and make a shadow on the wall. Right. A bunny rabbit, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, so if you do that, you need hard light to do that because you want a like a nice strong shadow. So, if you were to do your bunny rabbit shadow on the wall and you put a bit of trace paper in front of the torch, you'll you'll notice that suddenly uh, the light is so soft that you're not going to get a very good shadow anymore. So, basically, now what we've done is we've modified that light. We've changed it from hard light to soft light just by putting a sheet of trace paper in front of it. So if you're trying to soften the light from the sun, what you want to be using is something like a diffuser that you can put between the sun and your model, and that's going to soften the light beautifully. And we can modify the light further. So like, let's just say when I put that bit of trace paper in front of the torch, Uh, what happened is the light goes through that trace paper and then it spreads out everywhere in the room. So I've actually lit everything all over the place. But what if I just want to put a little dook of light into a specific area? That's where we can get more um, concentrated by the way that we control that light. So you take that same torch and um, get a – do you eat Pringles, Val? Do you like them? I like the salt and vinegar ones. No, just no yeah. to that. No, salt and vinegar, <laughs> wrong. Potato chips, plain, plain and simple. But I do love, I, I love Pringles. And so you know how you get a, a Pringle. I think everyone knows when I talk about when I say Pringles, they come in a tube. Yeah. And inside the tube, it's got like silver foil inside the tube. But if you 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 buy the plain Pringles, or if you're a Valerie Koo, you buy the salt and vinegar. <laughs> please uh, let us know in the Facebook group if you're plain or salt and vinegar. <laughs> salt and vinegar wrong. Um, no, and, they're not. Yeah, they're wrong. And um, <laughs> you have weird taste, Val. <laughs> That's yummy. No. Um, but you take the Pringles. Uh, packet and you put that uh, over the torch over the end of the torch and now turn the torch on and notice what happens and you'll notice that because we've got this solid tube we now corralled that controlled that light and now it'll just shine into a a tube of light rather than going everywhere okay and then you can take that further and you can take the pringle packet and i think i believe from memory the um the top is translucent it might be that translucent plastic um shine it through the translucent plastic in the tube and you'll have controlled light that is softer right and that is just like having a soft box so you can see that you can this is how you can control your lighting so When I'm trying to decide on uh, what kind of lighting modifier to use, I'm thinking about the best, the way that, um, what kind of light I'm trying to replicate. So when you're bringing in artificial lighting into a shot, you don't want it that that you don't want it to people to look at that shot and go, I know exactly how that was lit. You had a flash front at the front and you've lit it up and the flash looks different to the rest of the shot and that's a dead giveaway. Really good lighting, people need to be able to look at the shot and have no idea that there was a light added. It just all looks good. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So what I'm Absolutely. thinking about is the kind of lighting that I'm trying to replicate. So if I'm working in hard light, so hard light Val is, like if we're outside, what would we describe as hard so, light? Like, for example, if you were um, at the beach and it was midday. Yeah, and the other factor is That's pretty hard light. what's in front of the sun. Nothing. Yeah, between you and the sun is just like atmosphere, which which adds a little mm. bit. It, it, it Like depending on what country you're in, there's some – Um, places that there might be no cloud cover but there might be pollution and so that sort of cuts the power of the sun but the the general tell is when you look down and you've got a very 
sharp edge to your shadow that you know that there isn't any cloud cover without even looking up. Mm. So that's hard, high contrast light. And so if I'm working in that light, it's a good idea to kind of try and match that lighting. So I, I will, um, you know, opt for a, 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 a hard light modifier to use that as well. And if I'm working in soft light, so let's say, so what condition, what would happen there for the light to soften Val at the beach? The clouds, quite a lot of cloud could come over so that it, you know, it ha- the sun has to go through the cloud. Yeah, and so that diffuses all the light. So if you've got a very soft lighting scenario, uh, then it's a good idea to match that with a soft light modifier so the light the thing that goes in front of your light Mm. is uh, sort of a soft light modifier so let's just uh, break down those types of light modifiers so you can um, have an idea before you invest in one so like the the basic uh, the cheapest one is like the cloud right you get those for free not that reliable Val are they because okay. you can't get them no. on cue. You can't say, um, Jimmy, Jimmy Claire, you ring the cloud agency and they go, yeah, cloud agency. How you going? This is Dave. You go, Dave, um, uh, I need a Why cloud. Why are they all called Dave yeah, Everyone's called Dave in my life. So, and you go, Dave, I need a cloud. I need it for Thursday at 2 p.m. Okay, hang on, let me check. All right, so I've got Charlie. He's pretty good. He's done some really good films. And so you can't oh just order God. off the menu because you got you got cumulus, okay. nimulus, <laughs> and there's those sexy clouds are very expensive because they're in, um, Instagram influencer. You can't, <laughs> you know, and they're seen, and they're like, and then you read their resume, and it's like, what what movies have you done? And then they rattle off all the movies they've been. Anyway, so. Um, Yes. You can't rely on clouds to just turn up and soften the light no. for you. So you've got to do it yourself. So you can use a scrim or a diffuser. And Val, if you scroll down all the way down to the bottom of the show notes at GinaMilitia.com, mm-hmm. you'll see that I've actually got examples of where I've used these different um, uh, lighting examples. So I've got a shot. We did this with you, Val, um, in mm-hmm. Avalon. And uh, we've got uh, a shot of a girl there lying in the uh, grass and you can see the shot without a screen, just hard sun. And this was pretty much midday and there's also, um, uh, you can see all the shadows caused by the hair. She's got raccoon eyes and it's very harsh. And just by getting someone Mm. to stand above her with a simple Mm. scrim, which you get when you get the five-in-one uh, diffusers and like yes. with these just buy a cheap one doesn't matter like they're all the same uh, and uh, you take you take the cover off which will be gold and, and silver or black and white you take that off and inside you've got this little um, scrim or a diffuser and you can hold that above yep. your model's um, head and suddenly the light looks like a beautiful cloud just appeared for you and you didn't have to pay those yep. cloud uh, fees as well. So that's perfect. And uh, you can use the the bought ones or you can just get, um, there's uh, something called ripstop nylon, which is, or shower curtains, all do the same thing. They soften and diffuse the light. So that's the cheapest one. The next one, and this is the this is I think everyone who is starting to learn and understand light using speed lights wants to work with flash. The best all round way to do this because they are pretty much fail proof, and this is what I'm recommending to all my goldies when they're starting out is I get them away from every other kind of light source and they start with an umbrella, and it's like very similar to an umbrella that you know you use on a rainy day. It's and they come in all. Um, different kinds but the one that I recommend is the simple white shoot through umbrella about 10 bucks on Amazon and it's basically uh, like having a scrim but it's uh, you know portable they they pop up as an umbrella and you can have an accessory for your speed light or studio light and you put this umbrella in front of your light and the light shines through the umbrella so it's a shoot through umbrella and what it does and the best analogy I can think of for how this light works and how it softens the light is it's like having a little cloud over the light and what it does is it's like so you know when you're 
watering the garden that you never do, Val, right? So you've, but you know, you've, you've used a hose once or twice in your life, haven't you? Have you yeah. ever? Have you ever yeah, watered yeah, a garden? Yeah. <laughs> not often. Okay, not but often. you know what I'm we, talking we're about. We're lucky that our garden is full of sort of these very hardy yeah. plants that don't require attention. Weeds. <laughs> <laughs> And I just go, yeah, I could pull those out, but come summer, they just die and they go away. So what's the point? Anyway, you've got a hose, right? And if you've got an attachment on the end of the hose, you've got a little nozzle that will adjust the spray. So if you're watering your garden and say you've got um, beautiful new seedlings that you've placed in, you're not going to have like, because you've got... uh, when you've got the nozzle going, you've got fine spray, which just puts a really gentle mist mm. over everything and it's really soft and the, the mist goes everywhere. Or the opposite of that is you can have like that very powerful, hard, um, uh, you know, like a when a fireman's holding their fire hose and it's just like this hard spray that goes out. You don't want that. So when I'm thinking about uh, what happens to a light when you put an umbrella in front of it. It's like that fine mist of light goes yes. everywhere. It f- goes everywhere and it bounces off the ceiling and off the walls and it's just light spreads everywhere. And this is the most forgiving of light and probably the closest to what real daylight looks like, light everywhere, bouncing off every different way. So that's why it's a great way to start. Now, you can also get... Um, a white reflective umbrella, and this is basically uh, the same as an umbrella, but what you do is you bounce the light into the umbrella, bounces off the white wall and into the into the room. And this is very similar to bouncing light off a, a wall. So, you know, light travels in a straight line, hits the white wall and then bounces into the room. All right, so those yep. two ways. The thing with uh, the shoot-through is going to give you a, a much crisper light, uh, sort of a bit more edge to the light, a bit more contrast. I find the bounce, I'm just not a fan of bounce light, Val. I'll just say it now. I'm going to say it now. I'm not a fan. I don't okay. like it. Okay. Um, it's because? Not, it's, um, the light for me is too soft. So when you're bouncing light into mm. something, you need more power because it's got to bounce mm. off the surface and then back mm. into the room. All right. So um, it uses a lot of grunt. For your, for, for your uh, speed light. So I think it's a, a really good way uh, to, is to actually use the shoot through because you just get a better quality that does nicer things to the skin tones. Um, prove me wrong, um, happy to, and I'll change my mind, but so far I think I prefer the shoot through. So you can get reflective or shoot through, and then you can have different modifiers on the inside. So if you're using a, a bounce, a reflective umbrella, you can have a, a silver inside. So silver is going to actually make that um, bounce umbrella a little bit uh, stronger because when you uh, when light reflects off something like a, a mirror or a, a silver surface, it's going to be a little bit harder. So you'll get a better, it, it gives a better quality of light. So I don't mind the silver um, re, re, um, uh, rebound umbrellas, reflective umbrellas, that they, they work well. And um, uh, the gold will give you a warmer glow and, uh, you know, I, I think it's overkill, it's over the top. It gives too, too warm a quality to the light. So um, they're the shoot-through umbrellas and you've also got the reflectors, which are, you know, the five-in-one. We use the internal modifier before to, to cut out the, uh, the, the cloud, the sun, and you can also get um, reflectors that are, are white, silver, gold, and black. Now, the white, I think, is the best. And um, when you're using them outside, I think white gives uh, the most uh, realistic, softest feel to the light. Silver gives you like a a, a sort of a zooped up feel, like a lot more power. And it can also um, blind your your model if you're not careful. So you want to back off a little bit with the silver. And if you're using the silver or white, um, you want to make sure that you're not underlighting your model too much. So if you're using silver and you've got it very close to your model's face, it may turn out that the light that you're bouncing in is actually stronger than the light that's hitting your model and you end up with a, a bottom heavy, heavy lighting. So you'll end up with horror lighting. 
So it's it's <laughs> like you know when you hold hold a torch under your face. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. So that's exactly what happens when you use say a silver or a gold reflector underneath your model. So maybe raise it up and and keep it straight. So you want to be always lighting from the top so that you avoid that uh, horror lighting. Now. In keeping with the um, – um, and, and also scroll down, uh, end of the show notes, there is a shot where I have used umbrellas. So I love umbrellas and recommend them for when you're doing a large group shot because what you want to do is light – you know, if you've got lots of people that you want to light, a couple of umbrellas either side of the shot, back them up a little bit, will spread lots of light into the room and give you a, a really lovely, even lighting, not, not a lot of shadows, perfect for group shots. And there is a, a shot there of a, a, a cast of some show that would, would light lit outside using a couple of umbrellas, perfect for group shots. So not just for uh, training wheels and learning on. It's something that you will use a lot in your day-to-day life as a photographer. So highly recommend you grab a few of those and have those. The closest thing, Val, to uh, having an umbrella and that that isn't as big and, um, you know, because the, the downside of umbrellas when you're outside is if there's a gust of wind, your light goes oh, yes. over, they catch the light. So I don't really, they're really uh, difficult to use outside, definitely for inside, but a really good workaround and something that I love working with. And I'm just using the brand name, not because I'm sponsored by them, but because the, these <laughs> are what I use, which is the Gary Fong. Um, and it's a, like a little dome. And it's like having a little white ball on the top of your speed light. And I use these for both flash on camera and flash off camera. And the Gary Fong, it's like having a little dook of light on the end of your, and nice and soft, like having a little umbrella on the end of your speed light and a lot more portable and a lot more compact because it's just this small little dome of light. And I use that a lot, uh, that that little Gary Fong, for my uh, travel shots in particular. And uh, there is probably a couple of examples in the show notes there where I'm using that. If you don't have one, when you buy a speed light, you get this little plastic cap um, cup like the thing that you know don't throw that out it's not to store your nuts in in between shots it actually goes on the end of the speed light and it'll do a very similar thing to what the the Gary Fong light dome does so it's just like a little diffuser that goes over the edge and, and over the end of your speed light and if you don't have anything else these are really good and it's like there, mm. there is a shot I did Again, with you, Val, in the Philippines where I've used that little Mm. cheap 50-cent modifier, um, you know, and uh, depending on, you know, it comes down to how you light, how you, uh, at at what angle you're holding it, the proximity to your model, but you can actually get a very decent-looking light out of that 50-cent modifier. So don't discount it. Don't think that you need to go to, you know, the $500 beauty dish because you've seen it used by someone if if you're just learning play around with that little 50 cent um modifier there and when when you're happy with or like like what you're doing there and you want to move up then maybe try something like a shoot through umbrella and they both uh do the same thing is they soften and modify the light all right okay yeah all right so next we have um, so we've gone through the umbrellas. Uh, so that is like the training wheels. Okay. So, you know, when you're ready and you, and, and I recommend that until you understand and really understand how to, how to, um, use your lighting and, and you're balancing your background with your foreground, just keep using the umbrella and then move on to the next one. Uh, Another version is uh, using like a large scrim. It'll do the same thing, soften the light, and you can make those or buy them. Um, and then you can move on to the softbox. And we and there is a, like lots of different softboxes around. And basically, uh, the the what you get is uh, the cheaper ones. Uh, so you imagine a box. <laughs> And so we go back to the the Pringle analogy. So I put that tube of Pringles over the torch 
and then I put a, a diffuser on the end, that's basically a softbox. It's a round one. Uh, you can get square ones. You can get octa-shaped octa ones. You can get all different shapes. So the difference is uh, the look of the catch light in the eyes and how much spread you're going to get with the light. Now, there's all different sizes, and I've got um, little soft boxes all the way up to really big soft boxes, and it's one of my favorite modifiers, and uh, it's the one that I'd take to a deserted island if they said you could only take one modifier. It would be a soft box. And so what it does is like that it, it, it it's softens the light, but it also controls the light. Now, remember the umbrella just softens the light. That's all it does. It doesn't control it. So when you're using an umbrella, if you inside, it's going to light up the whole room as well as the person you want to light. But what if you want to do something a bit more dramatic, a bit moodier, and you want to control the light a bit more, you want to not let it go everywhere, that's where a softbox comes in. So it's just going to right. narrow that beam of light and control it a bit more. So you can get large square ones, you can get octa-shaped ones, you can get deep octas, all different kinds. What you want to look for, I think this is the most important quality of a softbox that a lot of the cheaper softboxes lack, is double diffusion. Um, so there are two levels of diffusion that the light has to pass through um, before you get it gets out to the other side. And this is actually a really good way uh, to soften and control the light and you won't get those harsh shadows. So that is one of the main things I look for when I'm buying a softbox and you can get the budget brand ones, but that's what you want to look for. And they're the questions you want to ask. Does it have the capacity for double diffusion and, and the ability to remove that center diffusion panel out? You, you want to have that option because then you can have a harder uh, diffuse light if you want, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep, and definitely. sort of inside the soft boxes. So my big square uh, rectangle Chimera soft boxes, or Chimera, as you would say. What? What's the A? What is it? <laughs> no, it could be chi Chimera. Chimera, Chimera. Is what I would potato, say. Potato, potato, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Um, you can um, the ones that I have. I can have inside. I can have silver lined. I can have gold lined. I can have a mix with silver and gold so that the light coming out of those soft boxes is either warm, completely neutral, um, you know, or I can have white inside. And I can also change the internal bevel of the rectangle soft box and put a bevel inside that makes the, uh, the, the soft box circular so that you get a circular right. um, catch light rather than a square one. My large softbox, uh, depending on how you use it, is my go-to for the majority of all my studio work uh, and also uh, it is, I think, the closest to creating the look of uh, daylight through a large window. So I use it a lot in a feathered um, uh, way so that um, there's a shot of two football players sitting on a bench uh, where I wanted to create the look of, and this is in a, a windowless studio, uh, like a black hole that I was shooting in. And I've used my um, large square softbox in this image and it gives the look of natural sort of uh, soft daylight. So that's that's where you can start to build your shots by using the modifier. So I do like the square softbox, but if you're someone who's uh, working outside a lot and you want like a little portable uh, softbox that you can put on your speed lights, then something like a, an Octobox is fantastic. So um, if you want something to start with to jump from uh, using an umbrella, and the next natural step is maybe you can get something like an umbrella box, which is like if a, an umbrella and a softbox hooked up and had a baby, they'd make an <laughs> umbrella box. Little umbrella box. Hello. Mm -hmm. um, cute little thing. And they just basically, they're fantastic for travel because it's basically they open up like an umbrella. They're everything an umbrella, but the back of it is blacked out. So it stops um, as much of light, the light, you don't get as much light spread. You get a bit more containment, not as good as a, a softbox, but but pretty good um, to start with. So maybe the next one that you invest in is uh, the umbrella box, and then you go to an octa box, 
and remember that you want to have something like check it out, ask questions if you're buying online and check the reviews because often in the reviews they'll tell you if they're a pain in the ass to put together, if they've got 50 million little bits that you have to actually build the whole thing every time you use it, which is super annoying and not worth the 20 bucks if you keep having to go through this um, pain of having to build it every time you use it. So uh, double diffusion, easy to put together and not too many doohickeys needed to actually use it. They're, they're the, 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 what you want to look for. And you will need several different sizes, but, you know, start with a medium size octa. You don't want anything too big that it's massive and four people need to hold it when you're outside because how are you going to use that? So think about that mm. as well. Um, so next, Val, you've got your hard light modifiers, and these, I think, are, are what you need. Th these are um, can be hard to, to use, and a lot of people that could, um, start out might start out with a grid spot or a beauty dish because uh, that's what everyone else is using. But until you kind of and, – and it's like a, a lot of the goldies that start out, they'll be starting with a beauty dish, and I – get them all to go back to umbrella light as a starting point and it feels like um going backwards but just like a few weeks with the umbrella they get, they really develop a, a fantastic understanding of how to control light and then they go to the next level and you move to the hard light modifiers so um when you're working with those, the beauty dish I think is uh, gives a really beautiful light, but and um, but and it gives a, a beautiful uh, structure to the face. But it all comes down to the angle that you use it with. And so um, there there are beauty dishes that you can get for your speed lights, and there are beauty dishes that you can get for your studio lights as well. The cheap ones. I have to say, just as good as the super expensive one, the difference is how much they weigh. You can get portable ones that actually fold together. I've got a travel beauty dish and uh, I've also got the um, solid uh, Elemcrom beauty dish. It's basically, Val, think of it as a wok <laughs> that you stick to okay, your light. Yes. So it's like a wok. <laughs> That's what it looks like. And um, just because of the way that whoever the smart cookie was, clever cookie that uh, invented the this kind of light modifier, it gives a light that is hard and soft at the same time. I can't describe it any better than that, but what it does <laughs> is the way uh, you get light that you'll get uh, the, the transition from highlights to shadows is really rapid. So wh where it's beautiful, if you're using it for headshots, it gives you a really sharp, um, jawline so if you position it in the right way just above your model um, you'll get like the face lit up uh, all the bone structure showing up and then you'll get the nice shadowing under the jaw so it just makes everyone look hot having <laughs> said that um, it is tricky to use and if you just miss by a couple of millimetres the angle of the, the tilt of the light, you can make someone look um, awful as well and it does pick up every imperfection on the skin as well. So you're either going to be spending a lot of time editing your photos uh, if you get it wrong or, you know, people are just not going to love the look of it. So the, the thing that... Like I hated it for ages, Val. I hated beauty lighting and I couldn't get why everyone was raving about it. And it's not until I started bringing fill light in um, as well as using the beauty dish that it started to work for me. So it's, it's a combination of good fill lighting and using that beauty dish. So worth experimenting if you've... Um, uh, played around with all the other lighting and you're very confident with your lighting, then I really recommend that you get a beauty dish and have a go because it just makes people look hot, basically. It's really good. So and <laughs> it's also, we all want that. Yeah, we all want that. And and because they're like the, the ones that are super heavy, they're fantastic for when you're shooting outside because they're never going to um, blow over uh, with your lights and they're just very sturdy and uh, I, I love them. So... Um, next one, and very similar to the beauty dish, uh, is a grid spot. So again, thinking about the, uh, the Pringles, uh, tube over the torch, this is, um, going to get you the closest to putting a Pringles packet over your speed light, basically. And you can make your own grid spot just by doing that. Just get a Pringles 
tube and place it over your speed light and suddenly you've contained the light to a small uh, disc of light. Why would you do this? I swear well, to God, all this talk about Pringles. I want Pringles now. I'm actually want to eat so, Pringles. So because uh, we're in um, uh, uh, quarantine, we can't go out after 8 o'clock. You've got to get all your munchies sorted in the afternoon. So I make a list. So I'm, I'm actually off to the supermarket after we record. Pringles, mm. Nutella, thanks to um, – our, our listener, <laughs> for, um, thanks to Owen for getting, you know, now I've yeah, got to have Owen. Nutella in the house and uh, and also, yeah, Pringles and probably everyone else is going to go out. But I'm not buying salt and vinegar. Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> grid, a grid spot will um, contain the light and give you uh, just a small amount of light so that you'll use it when just say like you want to create a really dramatic shot of someone but you just want to light their face and their shoulders maybe and you want everything else to remain in darkness you do it with a grid spot so it contains controls the light like a Pringles packet and just corrals it all in and you can get Different grid spots that will make the um, the light, the area of light, the surface that it's going to light up wider or narrower. So grids are absolutely beautiful to use. I use them uh, often uh, and there's also examples there in the show notes of um, where I've used a, a small grid of uh, just onto someone's face uh, just to light up little small areas. So... Um, they're basically all the little diffuse, all the different kinds of modifiers and what they do. And again, uh, I know that I like I like the Gary Fong grid because it's round. You can get little rectangle grids that go over your speed lights that are fantastic. You can also get circular grids that go over your studio lights. Uh, definitely, definitely worth playing around with. And uh, you can also get uh, grids that go over your octoboxes and softboxes to, again, sort of train the light a little bit more. So they're just a very expensive uh, Pringles packet that goes over your light to control to control it all. Stop with the Pringles. <laughs> I know, but well, you're going to get some in a sec. So there they are. Uh-huh. And then um, in the show notes, I've got uh, examples of all the different styles of lighting and, uh, you know, how I use them so you can get an idea. And uh, don't discount just naked flash, Val. And that's not where you mm. get naked and, fla- and flat. It's not that. It's <laughs> like... And, and then flash. And then flash. No, it's not that. I'm sure people would happily do that. But what it is is not having any modifier over your flash. And this is uh, the best way that you can actually recreate hard sunlight if you want to. And that's like, you know, if you're in a, you know, there's some um, places that just have overcast light all the time and it's all very flat but there is something sexy about having shadows in shots sometimes so you can recreate um, the look of sunlight just by using your speed light uh, and we talked about this last week by using the um, you can change the uh, the the focus of the speed light and and change it from being a wide lens on the speed light to a narrow um, light beam and make the light beam as narrow as possible and then take your speed light and get back 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 as uh, uh, you know say 20 meters away from your um, model hold it up very high in the sky aim it at their face and you get something that looks like uh, daylight and if they're leaning up against the wall you'll get the shadow and it looks like that was created um, by sunlight so you can add like little pockets of sunlight into the shot just using naked flash all right and there's an example of that in the um show notes as well so there you go um that's it everything modify everything you wanted to to know to pringles clouds to (laughs) getting naked and flashing people and the only thing anyone's going to remember is how much they really want to go and eat Pringles now. Yeah, but exactly. Hopefully there's one takeaway you'll get out of that, you know. Use an umbrella, oh, eat Pringles yeah. and Nutella yeah, good. exactly. <laughs> I love it. All right, that's such a useful episode, Gina, and um, lots of stuff to think about in terms of how to shape and control light. Uh, what are you doing in the coming week? I've got to continue um, doing my tunnel, Val building a tunnel to escape out of here. So, you know, it's hard work. Okay. 
Mm. You? <laughs> uh, well, good luck with that. Thank uh, you. I've just got, oh, gosh, so many things. I've, because I had a little break, I um, have a lot to catch up on, so I'll be doing a lot of catching up. You're going to buy Pringles now, do. though? Oh, Gina, will you stop it with the Pringles? Come All on. right, where do we find you online? You'll find me at ginamilitia.com. Uh, that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then check out the goal communities. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. And if Pringles are listening, call me. <laughs> <laughs> all right you'll find me at valerie Koo, that's k-h-o-o on twitter and instagram and over at valerie thanks for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time thanks guys thanks for listening to so you want to be a photographer for more information free resources and gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer visit ginamilitia.com.